Welcome to episode 256 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Executive Order 13848. Before we get started, I want to invite you to check out the TruthQuest merchandise website at truthquestshirtfactory.com, where we are designing shirts inspired by various podcast episodes. With each shirt design, there will be an explanation of what to expect from those inquisitive or brave enough to ask about it. In most cases, there are links to podcast episodes that will further deepen your understanding of the importance of each phrase. We hope you take the challenge of wearing these shirts in public and to family gatherings. Don't worry. You will be fully equipped with the rhetorical tools to engage in a conversation or debate that is sure to ensue. In this episode, we are going to briefly examine Executive Order 13848, called Imposing Certain Sanctions in the Event of Foreign Interference in a United States Election. It was signed by President Trump in September of 2018. It was brought to my attention by one of my favorite commentators, Tara Servatius. She made the argument that this executive order is responsible for the massive violation of free speech and First Amendment rights at the hands of the federal government over the last five years. Given the number of episodes I have produced on the topic of big tech censorship, three on the Twitter files and the last episode about Missouri v. Biden, I couldn't help but look into her theory. There are remarkably few articles written about this executive order. Most of them describe it as an attempt by Trump to put in place a way to challenge the 2020 election if needed. So which is it? Is Tara Servatius right? Are the liberal writers right? Or is it a nothing burger? Let's examine the executive order and see where we land. To level set, so-called executive orders are designed so the president, who is the chief executive officer of the executive branch of the federal government, can provide directives to the federal agencies that he oversees. An executive order has the force of law, provided it has a solid basis in the Constitution and the powers it vests in the president as head of state, head of the executive branch, and commander-in-chief of the nation's armed forces, or if Congress passes a law allowing it. That assumes Congress is not giving away any of its constitutionally granted powers, which we've seen it doing over the last few decades. The president does not have the authority or the power to give illegal or unconstitutional directives like Abraham Lincoln's executive order authorizing the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus in 1861 or his Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Neither of those were constitutional. Or consider FDR's Executive Order 6102, which he essentially confiscated privately owned gold. That was unconstitutional. Or FDR's Executive Order 9066 to intern Japanese Americans during World War II. Definitely unconstitutional. Or Harry Truman's Executive Order where he attempted to nationalize the country's steel mills in 1952 during the Korean War. That was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Other famous or infamous executive orders include Truman's 1948 executive order desegregating the nation's armed forces, which seems like a legitimate directive given that he was the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. How about Dwight D. Eisenhower's use of the executive order to send federal troops to integrate public schools in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1957? Regardless of how you feel about segregation, that was clearly unconstitutional. The president does not have the constitutionally granted power to force a state to integrate its schools. Like everything the federal government, and particularly the executive branch, touches, everything has been bastardized. Today, illegal executive orders are more the norm than the exception. And as you can see, it's been that way for a large portion of the history of the United States. 
We have had a steady stream of abuses via executive orders, with the feckless Congress and the courts doing next to nothing about it. To give you a sense of how many executive orders are signed by a president, here's a quick rundown of recent presidents. President Carter had 320, Reagan, 381, George H.W. Bush, 166, Clinton, 364, George W. Bush, 291, Obama, 276, Trump, 220, and Biden, through May of 2023, 115. Which president had the most? You might not be surprised, but it was FDR. He had 3,721, many of which established key parts of his sweeping and unconstitutional New Deal reforms. Many were shut down by the Supreme Court until FDR threatened to pack the court. The presidents that abuse the executive order, like FDR, typically look at themselves as kings rather than elected officials. Clearly, FDR fits that bill. He was a totalitarian dressed up as the President of the United States. So let's dive into the topic at hand. Donald Trump's Executive Order 13848, as I said, it was signed in September of 2018. In order to understand this particular executive order, we must start at the beginning, which was an executive order signed by President Obama, numbered 13694, which was signed three years prior to the one we're discussing today in April of 2015. That order states that there is a national emergency due to malicious cyber-enabled activities originating from outside the United States that, quote, constitute an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States, end quote. Section 1 of that executive order deals with blocking assets or seizing the assets of offenders. Section 7 states that no notice has to be given in the blocking or seizing of assets as set forth in Section 1. That executive order was not rescinded by President Trump and remains in effect. You'll find out why in a minute. Now keep in mind that particular executive order did not mention anything about elections. That's going to be important here soon. Then there was Executive Order 13757, also signed by Obama on December 28, 2016. Now remember the timing there. This is after Trump won the election in November. This executive order appears to be one of Obama's contributions to the Russia collusion hoax conjured up by Hillary Clinton. It names five Russian entities and four individual Russians that were sanctioned. The list is a token effort in that it did not affect business between Obama's regime and the Russian entities that it wanted to do business with, i.e. Hunter Biden and the rest of the Biden crime family who were able to secure a $3.5 million bribe, or I'm sorry, payment, from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. But this executive order does have wording in it that is useful in the current circumstances. Part 2, Section E of this particular executive order, directs the seizing of assets of any persons who are caught tampering with, altering, or causing a misappropriation of information with the purpose or effect of interfering with or undermining election processes or institutions. So boom, there we go. We got that election piece in there. And of course, Trump did not rescind that executive order. Now we get to Executive Order 13848, which is why we're here today. And as you may recall, it was characterized by the left-wing mob as a tool for Trump to overturn the upcoming election should he lose. Headlines like, quote, Trump just quietly passed an executive order that could destroy a future Biden administration was written in 2020 as the election approached. This particular executive order reads in part, 
By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, including the International Emergency Economics Power Act, the National Emergencies Act, and Section 212 of the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, blah, 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 I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, find that the ability of persons located in whole or in substantial part outside the United States to interfere in or undermine public confidence in United States elections, including through the unauthorized accessing of election and campaign infrastructure or the covert distribution of propaganda and disinformation, constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States. It goes on, although there has been no evidence of a foreign power altering the outcome or vote tabulation in any United States election, Foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open political system. In recent years, a proliferation of digital devices and internet-based communications has created significant vulnerabilities and magnified the scope and intensity of the threat of foreign interference, as illustrated in the 2017 Intelligence Community Assessment. I hereby declare a national emergency to deal with this threat. Are you picking up how these executive orders work? The president simply declares an emergency. It could be legit like war. He then interns American citizens like FDR did. Or it could be a national emergency due to malicious cyber-enabled activities originating from outside the United States that constitute an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, and an economy of the United States, like one of Barack Obama's executive orders. And because of that emergency, he authorizes the government to seize assets of those suspected of causing the emergency that he just declared. Here we have Trump declaring a national emergency due to the threat of disinformation coming in whole or substantial part outside the United States, even though there is no evidence of it. Still, an emergency, and the president is here to take away people's God-given and constitutionally protected rights in order to fight the new emergency. The order goes on to say, Accordingly, I hereby order, within 45 days of the conclusion of the election, an assessment of potential foreign interference will be conducted, led by the Director of National Intelligence, who is to report his findings to the President, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Treasury, the Secretary of Defense, the Attorney General, and the Secretary of Homeland Security. Within 45 days of receiving that report, the Attorney General and the Secretary of Homeland Security are to deliver to the President, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of Defense, a report evaluating with respect to the United States election that is subject of the assessment, which is to include the extent to which any foreign interference that targeted election infrastructure materially affected the security or integrity of that infrastructure, the tabulation of votes, or the timely transmission of election results, and the extent to which such activities materially affected the security or integrity of that infrastructure, including, including by unauthorized access to, disclosure or threatened disclosure of, or alteration or falsification of information or data. Include updates and recommendations, when appropriate, regarding remedial actions to be taken by the United States government. This executive order goes on to say, Not later than 30 days following the date of this order, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Treasury, the Attorney General, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and the Director of National Intelligence shall develop a framework for the process that will be used to carry out their respective responsibilities pursuant to this order. 
The framework, which may be classified in whole or in part, shall focus on ensuring that agencies fulfill their responsibilities pursuant to this order in a manner that maintains methodical consistency, protects law enforcement or other sensitive information and intelligence sources and methods, maintains an appropriate separation between intelligence functions and policy and legal judgments, ensures that efforts to protect electoral processes and institutions are insulated from political bias, and respects the principles of free speech and open debate. Now, it is worth noting that President Biden reauthorized this particular executive order by Trump. That's how bad it is. It's so bad that Biden kept it. He didn't keep the executive order to build the wall at the border. He rescinded Trump's remain in Mexico policy and fought it in court. He didn't keep Trump's DNA testing requirements of unattended minors at the border so they could be prevented from being kidnapped and sex trafficked by non-family members. But he kept Trump's Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and Executive Order 13848. That's how bad both Powell and this executive order are. Now, this is where Tara Servatius draws the conclusion that this quote-unquote framework and the process that will be used to carry out the respective responsibilities comes into play to bite Trump and millions of conservative Americans on social media in the ass for the last five years. Tara's argument is that the framework mentioned in the order resulted in what we have seen in the Twitter files and most recently in Missouri v. Biden, the previous episode, episode 255. The massive censorship operation violating the God-given and constitutionally protected right to free speech of millions of people via the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story, censorship of the truth of all things COVID, and the censorship of any discussion about voter fraud in the 2020 election. Now, I want you to check out episodes 228, 234, and 250 if you're interested in the Twitter files. And of course, I just mentioned episode 255 about Missouri v. Biden. And I also produced a few episodes on the 2020 election. Check out episodes 130 and 131 where I discuss the presidential election of 2020. And episode 142 where I talk about the Georgia election integrity law. All of that will be in the show notes page. Servatius's argument is clearly the powers that be, the FBI, the State Department, Treasury, the Attorney General, Surgeon General, Homeland Security... CDC, FDA, NIAD, Fauci, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the Virality Project, and all the other alphabet soup federal agencies that created this gross and obvious constitutional crisis and censorship, they obviously did not comply with the last part of Trump's order. Efforts are insulated from political bias and respects the principles of free speech and open debate. That is certainly not allowed by the totalitarian doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party, who currently run D.C. So what do you think? Did Trump unknowingly provide the go-ahead or framework for the massive violations of free speech not seen since the Alien and Sedition Acts? Most importantly, why didn't he recall his executive order once he witnessed the massive censorship efforts? This is the part of the story that has me perplexed. I mean, he was at the top of the list of censorship. As part of this censorship cabal, he lost his number one mechanism of communication with the American people, his Twitter account. 
At this point, I don't know whether we can point the finger at Executive Order 13848 and cast the blame for the illegal and unconstitutional censorship efforts perpetrated by dozens of federal officials and federal agencies because I've not seen it referenced anywhere. Most importantly, it's not referenced in the Missouri v. Biden case. None of the 50-plus defendants in the Missouri v. Biden case cited this executive order as authorization to do all the censorship that they did. However, the one conclusion you can arrive at from this episode is the danger of executive orders. We've had the illegal removal of basic human rights, the confiscation of property, the internment of a group of people, and the pushing of unconstitutional economic reforms by two of our supposedly most revered presidents in Lincoln and FDR. We've had the attempted confiscation of an entire industry, along with dozens of instances of federal encroachment on states' rights. And we've seen, most recently, presidents unilaterally declaring emergencies in which they, of course, then assume extra constitutional powers to resolve. It's the opposite of what the federal government is fond of doing. Create a problem, screw up the healthcare system, the education system, and implement policies to fix their screw-ups. If nothing else, from now on, when you hear about a, a president signing an executive order, take a moment and find the actual document and read it. Enhance your understanding of how corrupt and anti-constitution our leaders really are. And that's the truth about Executive Order 13848. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share episodes with your friends. And don't forget to visit the TruthQuest merchandise website at truthquestshirtfactory.com.